Hi, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, the listeners of Fine Policy Talks podcast. Thank you so much for being the loyal listeners of this podcast. Today, I'm so happy of having uh, three amazing young people from Indonesia who are the delegates of uh, Indonesia to the Y20 uh, Summit in Italy this year. If you are wondering what is Y20, they will explain to us later on. But uh, hi, guys, how are you doing? Hi, Noto. Hi, Noto. Hi, Noto. How are you? Thank you so much for joining this podcast. So here with me, we have Putri, we have Bea, and we have Angelo. Uh, maybe I would like to invite Putri. So can you introduce yourself, who you are, and what are you busy with these days? Okay. Um, hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Putri Komarudin. I'm, I'm 27 year old, currently working as a member of parliament, representing the um, uh, West Java 7th district. Um, and uh, I am currently based in Jakarta, Indonesia. And um, these days I'm busy serving the people um, to combat the pandemic. Wow, amazing. So you, basically you have a, a specific uh, role, right? At the Y20 Summit, but maybe you can share it later. Um, Dea, how about you? Oh, thanks, Noto. Um, my name is Caroline Dea Tastern, but everyone just calls me Dea. I am 29 and I am right now busy as a lecturer in the forestry department here in the university in Manado. Um, term has just started, so that, that's fun. Um, I'm also part of a wildlife trade and policy unit in North Sulawesi. So we tackle illegal wildlife trade, both for plants and animals. And I'm also involved in a lot of environmental education projects here. Wow, sounds amazing there. And uh, lastly, uh, we have Angelo. So he was my guest last year and he's coming back with a different role. Hi, Angelo. How are you doing? Hi, Anato. I'm glad to be back. Um, hi, everyone. My name is Angelo. I'm 23 year old. Um, I'm the delegate of Indonesia for the Y20 Summit, specifically for the um, innovation, digitization, and future of work track. Uh, so we talk a lot about technology and the policy ecosystem surrounding uh, technology in that track. And um, uh, during the day, I'm working with a multilateral development bank based here in Jakarta. Mm, amazing, Angelo. Thank you so much for coming back. Today, we will discuss about the G20 Italy summits and more specifically your participation at the Y20 or Youth 20 meeting as one of the engagement group of G20. I'd like to start by asking one of you, maybe Putri, uh, to introduce to, to the listeners about the G20 and Y20 briefly. Um, like, what are they and why do you have youth as one of the important stakeholders, Putri? Okay, um, thanks, Noro. At G20, or Group of 20, is an international economic cooperation forum of 19 countries and the EU, representing major developed and emerging economies. And the G20 implements a rotating uh, presidency, or a troika, held by the current presidency, 
its predecessor, Saudi Arabia, and successor, that is us, Indonesia. And aside from the leader summit, the engagement groups meetings or the social actors meetings were also held and are autonomous and independent from governments, such as the Business 20, Think 20, Women 20, and us, the Youth 20 or Y20. And as part of the official engagement groups, the Y20 is a prestigious platform for young leaders of the G20 countries to express their voices and discuss um, various visions. It will be presented to the head of states and governments of G20 in the form of formal recommendations. Uh, we also think that the Y20 served as a strategic and distinctive um, stakeholder to the leaders forum because it provides them with insight into um, future policies as in what kind of future the younger generation and visions to build aside from current affairs. It is also a way to create a more inclusive decision-making process uh, for the leader summit because it involves the youth, which are often underrepresented in the formal policy-making processes. Wow, interesting. I'm, I'm going to come back to you on the, the insights from youth to the policy-making process, which is very, very interesting. Um, but correct me if I'm wrong that the G20 is covering a lot of issues. And one of the most criticisms that I've heard about the G20 is that because of that, a lot of issues, uh, sometimes it's not very direct and specific to, to, to handle or to solve a problem. But um, I know that each of you is representing a different issue in the Y20 meeting. Can you share what issues are you representing at the summit? Uh, maybe Dea? Yeah, of course. Um, so I am working, so my track was the sustainability climate and energy track, which speaks for itself mostly, but it's about um, sustainable development, um, tackling the climate crisis, um, energy, renewable energy, and about the environment. And my concerns specifically that I brought into the discussions were about ecosystem conservation, um, circular economy. So how to repurpose, how to use our resources wisely and um, keep them in the production cycle instead of you know, throwing them into away in landfills. Mm. And I also brought up renewable energy because we really can't rely on fossil fuels indefinitely. And also about environmental and climate education and the rights of indigenous and local groups. So those are the issues that I brought up in this year's Y20. Wow, that sounds like a very big issue, but definitely That's very important today, right? <laughs> right. How about you, Angelo? Uh, are you talking about business or, I don't know, inequality? What, what are you representing at the summit? Yeah, Nota. So um, as I said before, uh, I was doing the innovation, digitization, and future of work track. Right. Um, in, in the digitization side, we were talking about how can we close the uh, digital gap, the digital infrastructure gap between not only countries among the G20, but also how do we close the gap internally in each G20 members. Mm. Um, other than that, we also talk about the future of work, which is, uh, you know, the name says sort of for itself, it's the future of work. How do we work in the future? Um, with the rise of the fourth industrial revolution, innovation, um, robotization, automation, uh, will we work as the way we used to? Uh, will, will, will we still go to office in the next 10, 15 years? 
And, you know, with the acceleration of digital adoption, how will we work? Will robots take over our jobs? Because like, uh, as the data from Dell says, um, in 2030, you know, 85% of the jobs that will be uh, present in 2030 hasn't been uh, invented yet today. And another data from uh, Indonesia's digital uh, ministry said that um, in 2030, Indonesia will need about like 10 million digital talents. So in, in our track, we were trying to answer the question, how do we prepare for that reality that will come in the next less than 10 years? So in the coming decade, uh, the, the, the challenges that we will be facing in the face of um, digitization and future of work. Mm. Wow. That sounds scary, but it sounds <laughs> very um, interesting to talk about. Uh, how about you, Putri? Yep. Um, thanks, Noro. Um, other than being the head of Indonesian delegation, I represent Indonesia for the inclusion and equal opportunities issues. Mm -hmm. And during our discussion, our group uh, focused on ensuring that barriers to inclusion to young people and underrepresented groups were addressed and prioritized by our, uh, by our uh, leaders, that our future is um, shared, not only benefited particular group or leaving anyone behind. And in these meetings, Indonesia focused on um, three priority areas, inclusion in education, finance, and politics. Regarding education, we stress that the right to education should also include a free and quality digital education and providing continuous professionalization for teachers, such as digital upskilling program. And in finance and economic issues, we point out that although digital economies and finances are rising, it does not necessarily guarantee that financial inclusion is improving. And therefore, through the Y20, we urge governments to better regulate and supervise the fintech industry to contribute to the overall financial inclusion targets, empower ultra micro businesses and improve users' uh, data protection. We also address the barriers and lack of uh, youth representation in leadership and decision-making processes. We focus on youth access in politics, including to run for office, uh, this is based on my personal experience. And we also ask governments to provide support, such as setting a statutory youth quota in public administration offices, providing stimulus and access to political finances, and also empowering youth-led and youth-focused organizations to ensure a more effective youth representation. Wow. Um, I have a follow-up question on that. Um, so... So apart from having different tracks, you also have different priorities to be, uh, you know, convened, uh, convey in the, at the meeting. Uh, how did you formulate those priorities? Did you talk to the young people in Indonesia before you come to, uh, to the summit? How, how did you process the, the priorities? Um, Angelo, you want to share with that? Sure. Um, so we did a couple of things, Noto. Um, the right. first one, we formulate um, our own survey, which we capture uh, hundreds of Indone young Indonesians' uh, views on the issues that we will be that we would be presenting at that time. Um, Dea with the sustainability, climate, and energy. Um, Putri with the uh, inclusion and equal opportunity, and uh, myself with the digitization and future of work. So we sort of captured what are the emotions of Indonesians, young Indonesians, what are their situations, um, how, 
How familiar are they with these issues and what do they want to see our governments and our youth delegates, youth representations do at the G20? So uh, we captured that through that survey. Uh, another one, we also did uh, some focus group discussions where we actually moderated those focus, dis uh, focus groups uh, discussions so that we can actually have a conversation, a real conversation, and we can grasp and capture what the young people have to say about those issues. And um, the last thing that we did uh, that I remember was that we actually cooperated with UNICEF Indonesia and we captured more than 6,000 respondents wow. uh, across uh, Indonesia. Uh, and we actually used those data to actually support our position during the negotiation. But I think if Dea and Putri uh, have anything to add, um, please feel free. All right. So Dea, do you have yeah. anything to add? Yeah, we also hosted, I don't know if that's what you meant by the FGDs angle, but remember we had that national consultations as well. Um, that was kind of near the summit. It was, I, I think two weeks before the summit. So um, the national consultation was a more open forum where um, organizations could sign up and deliver interventions on points that they thought was, um, that they thought were important for us to bring up. Um, through a Zoom through a Zoom meeting, so it was. Um, I believe it was also on YouTube. I'm not entirely sure of that, but the point is that they could talk directly to us and let let us know that these are the priority points that we think you should bring up. And we had like I don't know 40 organizations um, who contributed their thoughts. So that was a very interesting um, Zoom session we had. Right, interesting. Um, I recently worried about the global politics division among the G20 member states and how it has challenged the outcome of this multilateral platform. How about the youth 20? Uh, does political division among the uh, G20 members exist at the youth meeting? Um, Putri, you wanted to share as a head of a delegation? Yeah. Um... I think that it is very common for delegates to project their political, personal, or national interests to any global platform. Mm. Uh, but the focus should be on how we work on those differences and similarities among delegates. And months before the summit, uh, the Y20 delegates have held multiple meetings, such as um, we conducted um, several no, uh, countless uh, bilateral meetings with um, many countries, uh, workshops on related issues with experts and professionals from international organizations. And we had several formal negotiations within each topic group and with the whole delegation. And we did these meetings to discuss each of our priorities and achieve common ground. And I think this continuous communication has supported our final works during the summit and helped us finalize the recommendations to ensure that it truly really reflects our collective vision for the G20 and global society. And um, I think it is also very common to, to have that uh, uh, to have that debate, uh, but um, all in all, um, in, in, in our tracks, I think the debate was uh, pretty healthy in that sense. Um, um, maybe Dea and Angelo can add to this, uh, but uh, we have managed um, to come up with a very uh, comprehensive communique, I guess. Wow. Uh, Angelo, do you want to share uh, your experience at the meeting? Um, sure, not though. 
Well, at first, I would expect that, um, you know, the delegates would be divided mm. by ideologies. That's what I expected. But that was not quite the case uh, when I negotiated vis-a-vis 19 other delegates. Um, another thing that probably people would expect is the division between um, developed and developing countries. Mm. Um, that is something that I would say is pretty common everywhere, not just at the G20, but also in other multilateral fora. Um, but what I feel is interesting in my track is the fact that um, even if the, such divisions exist, I also feel that some delegates coming from even developed countries, uh, some of them, definitely not all, some of them are trying to understand our point of view as the delegates of developing countries. And we were trying to work out together, work out a solution to answer these problems. Because um, divisions among uh, developed and developing countries are very, I, I would say it's very normal to have, especially, mm. uh, especially because you know the situation in those countries and in our countries are different. So that shapes the way we think, that shapes the way we identify problems and the, the way we uh, come up with solutions. But I would say, again, I would uh, reiterate that even, even if that happens, uh, some delegates from developed countries are very helpful. They're trying to uh, sit down with us and try to find common grounds so that we can compromise we can come up with the compromise and we can finally produce the uh, communique that Putri uh, mentioned before. All right, interesting. Um, Dea, in the, even in the global level governance on environment, we see the clear division between those countries, right? Especially among the G20 member states. How much division you see on this, uh, on the issues that you, you were presenting at this summit? Um, that's a great question. I was surprised to find out that the Y20 were all on the same page. Like we mm -hmm. generally agreed that we needed more ambitious targets and we, um, and just across the board, people were agreeing with targets that they felt were like, okay, this is just the very baseline of what we need to meet, despite the differences in whatever other forums that. Um, have risen in other occasions. In, in Y20, in the SCE track, it was we were all we were all in agreement that we needed more ambition, that we needed more commitment. So there was actually not a lot of argument on the specific targets, like on the metrics that we wanted to, or on the um, or on the yeah on the metrics that we wanted to hit uh, that we wanted to use. Um, there were some there was some friction that was more on the negotiation style of each country like some countries would some countries were just speaking um say representing their youth for sure but some countries were also consulting with other organizations and other um, institutions during the negotiations which um and that and that different negotiation style was actually the the background for most of the I wouldn't say arguments 
but for most of the um, issues that were most deeply discussed in the SAE track. So, so no, it, it, the global politics didn't really come into play in Y20. We agreed that we needed to take drastic action. It was more of our individual styles that needed some work to smooth over, but um, it was very enjoyable. It was very collaborative. And as Angela said, um, we all of us worked to find common ground. So it was great. Wow, it's it sounds very good to hear. I mean, it seems that you are very surprised with the summit, right? And <laughs> there's no ideology debated. There's no, uh, you know, you you you've successfully found the common ground on the issues that you're talking about. Interesting. Um, I like to ask this maybe to the head of the delegation, um, and I'm going to be a bit naughty this time. Uh, there's a common criticism and big question towards how much influence youth can give to the result of the G20 meetings. How confident are you that the G20 leaders are listening to your voices, uh, Putri? That is a very tough question. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, um, uh, I really think that, um, no, we hope that, you know, youth um, is and have always been the drivers of change and development. And this is the case in Indonesia throughout our history and the world, mainly because of youth influence over the conversation in social media. And we see how the younger generation led many social and environmental movements in the world. And we also know that uh, youth is a major economic actor. And in fact, young Indonesians under 30 year olds are the fastest growing investor with a 58% share of the total domestic retail investors in our stock market and with the consistent and growing influence that the youth have in the world I think it is not an understatement to believe that you know our leaders acknowledge youth positions and are willing to work together with us and are committed to improving our representation that is finger crossed what we hope is going to happen <laughs> Right, nice. Uh, looking forward to see your uh, communique reflected on the G20 resolution, right? At the end of this, I don't know, what month? Uh, October or November? Uh, uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Right. Um, uh, Angelo, I have an uh, interesting question for you, guys. Um, I know you've been joining a lot of international youth meetings. Uh, do you have any words on the, the main difference that you feel Uh, between attending this Y20 summit compared to other uh, meetings that you have attended to? Oh, this is such a surprise question. <laughs> um, yeah, but if I can connect this question to the previous one as to how young people at the G20 platform can actually influence the decision of G20 leaders, I think this is where Y20 actually differs from other meetings that I attended with ASEAN, with APEC with the UN. With the G20, we were actually empowered under the G20 ecosystem. We were actually empowered and we were labeled as the official youth engagement group, right? Um, the Sherpa, which is sort of like the ambassador of each G20 member to uh, the G20. The Sherpa in Indonesia is really supportive of what we're doing. They came to our meetings. They talked to us. They actually tried to accommodate Uh, what we need. On the other hand, um, we, we're also working together with other engagement groups, including Women 20, Business 20, Think Tank 20, Civil 20. So that sort of creates the energy where 
you know, we're working in a collaborative environment. And the fact that uh, Y20 delegates or basically the whole environment of Y20 in, in each country is also invited to attend, attend meetings at the, at the ministry level uh, under the working groups, that actually makes me believe that we're actually influencing uh, the G20 leaders outcome. Because um, in other settings like the UN or APEC or ASEAN, I didn't experience those. I, I was not really invited to meetings that would actually produce outcome. So during those meetings with, with other engagement groups, with other working groups under different ministries and, and, and institutions, we were actually consulted. We were asked about our opinions and how would we answer such problem or such issue that were being talked about with solutions that actually answers to youth. So I think that is what differentiates between the dynamics under the G20 and other um, multilateral forums, I would say. Wow, impressive. Um, Maybe coming... just a little bit, Nata. Sorry. <laughs> Maybe just a little bit. Um, right. I This is not under the G20, but this is actually under the G7. So this year, um, under the uh, United Kingdom's presidency, under the G7, uh, one outcome from the Y7 was actually adopted with under the G20, uh, under the G7. So that was actually bolstering my uh, trust within this um, arrangement that the leaders actually listen to young people, especially on issues that actually matter to us. Right, right. Interesting. Uh, Pretty, I'm coming back to you. Um, as a parliamentarian, what's the best lesson learned that you get from the Y20 meeting that you may wish to apply in the Indonesian policymaking process? I know it's not as easy as it sounds, but uh, how, how are you going to say about this? Yeah, interesting question. <laughs> um, first of all, I definitely hope for more young parliamentarians. I hope Dea, Angelo, and Noto can join me in the parliament. So we're going to have more youth voices in the parliament. And the parliaments, by definition, were built to consist of representatives. And unfortunately, the interpretation is still um, limited and that parliamentarians are representatives of their constituents geographically. Thus, other types of representations are often neglected in the process, including youth and women representation. It has been 18 years since we introduced the 30% minimum uh, quota for women in parliaments, but we have not yet achieved this bare minimum. And similar, similarly with um, youth empowerment, although the 2019 election brought more than 100% increase for young candidates, it did not necessarily reflect youth electability and the number of elected youth under 40 years old in the parliament has decreased compared to the previous period and there are only 72 people or only 16.5 percent of the total members elected in the 2019 election compared to 92 people in the 2014 election and in terms of lawmaking processes one of the key takeaways is improving inclusivity and transparency in the decision making process and the house is working to continuously improve our governance by ensuring public involvement and transparency in lawmaking processes and uh, the House Commission 11, where I'm currently working for, mm -hmm. is currently drafting the revision of tax law and the bill on the financial ties between regional and central government. And in discussing the government's draft, 
We held numerous hearings by inviting various stakeholders related to the law's implementation, such as academics, industries, or professionals, to convey their input and recommendation for the draft. And we also broadcast this hearing so that the general public may follow the discussion. We also opened an online aspiration platform to gather the public's opinion and input about the drafts and will raise them during house meetings. And through these processes, we are hoping, fingers crossed as well, that the law will be more inclusive and benefit the people and that for people to truly feel involved in the processes through us as representatives. Wow. Amazing. It's, it's very amazing. Um, uh, Dea, um, um, you know that usually there have always been a lot of demands after the G20 or the Youth 20 meetings uh, from the public or from young people uh, everywhere in this world. Uh, the, the big question is, what is the result? I think they, they want to feel it directly affects their life, right? Uh, so what are the results of the, at the, of the Youth 20 summit? in Italy and as someone who is working on the real ground, um, how are you going to move it forward domestically? I mean, we've listened to uh, Putri who's, who's going to move it forward uh, in the parliament, in the policy making level, but how about you? Uh, how, how are you going to move the result forward? Mm -hmm. that's, that's a really good question. I think it's important to acknowledge that the results of the Y20 summit is published as a communique. Mm -hmm. So it's not, it's not a legally binding document, but it is the unified voices of youth representatives from these 20 countries on issues that we feel are important, which just because it, it does not have that legal, that legal um, background, it's important nonetheless. And so I think it's, I think the success of um, the results of everything we've been talking about for the past few months, it really comes down to how each country and how the presidency moves forward with that communique. We agreed um, the communique is finalized, by the way. I say this with a bit of hesitancy because, um, well, us, the Indonesian delegates haven't officially um, published it yet, but it is finalized um, and we have all brought up our points. For me, I can only speak for the sustainability track, um, but we have brought up seven general points um, on ecosystems, circular economy, renewable energy, on education, indigenous rights, climate risk adaptation, and so on. And all of these recommendations need to be heard by the right people in the right policymaking position. So exactly as Putri said, the parliament definitely does need to hear about it. The executive branch or sub-branches need to hear about it. And there needs to be, and most importantly, I feel that there needs to be enough push from mm. the youth, from the people. So the, the people in the legislative and the executive, maybe even the, the judicative branches, realize the value and the, um, and the urgency of everything that we're bringing forward. Um, because 
everything that we discussed in Y20 directly connects to our future. I mean, statistically speaking, we have like 40, 50 something years left on this planet. Um, and hopefully, and hopefully it will be a livable planet, right? Um, so yes, of course. I think it's very, very important that us delegates and the and the presidency as well, all the countries really make the push with the people, with the youth, to create that sense of urgency, to create that sense of value. Um, that these are issues that need to be heard and acted upon. And, and also so the government feel that their constituents think that, okay, because they think this is important, then if I want, if I want to, you know, sorry for being probably a bit crass, but if I want to keep my position, then I'd better listen to my people. Um, I, I'm, I'm optimistic that that attitude can bring, it, can bring the communique forward. And as for my own, um, how I will personally bring it forward being, as you so rightly said, very hands-on field work in and out of forests kind of person. Um, I think that I, I have quite a sphere of influence in the groundwork people, um, in the ground people, sorry, um, on the ground people here um, where I live and also across Indonesia. And, um, and yeah, that, that can be a force to be reckoned with if everyone unites in one voice and create the sense of urgency and value that I talked about earlier. I hope that answered the question. Yes, that's clearly answered the question. I love all of the answers that you give to us. Um, Angelo, do you have anything to add? Um, as Dea mentioned about her, you know, the result in her track, mm. probably some things that I can uh, share about the result from my track that was finally agreed upon by the delegates and were included in the communique, I, I can't I can speak of two things. The first one, I so you know, back to the robots taking uh, taking our jobs as humans, right? right. Um, uh, one of the things that I advocated as the Indonesian delegation there is the fact that um, there are a lot of uh, young Indonesians who are super unprivileged, so they don't have the access to actually learn future skills. What are future skills? Um, let's say data science, right? Um, uh, app development, software engineering, those are the apps, th those are the skills that will be needed most in the next 10, 15 years. And as I mentioned before, the Digital Ministry of Indonesia said that Indonesia would need 10 million digital talents in the next 10 years. So how to achieve that? One of the things that we propose as the representation of developing countries is for um, you know, the G20 to actually highlight the importance of providing uh, skilling, reskilling and upskilling programs that are affordable for the young people so that they can actually um, learn uh, these skills and that they can be absorbed into the labor market. That is number one. Number two, uh, we're talking about uh, access, right? Uh, we're talking about digital infrastructure. How can we, you know, how can we plan and strategize uh, better digital access for people, especially in rural, rural and indigenous communities, so that they can have the same access as uh, as, as as people who live in uh, urban areas. So I think there are a lot of other things as well that we discussed, but I think I would like to highlight these two. 
All right. Thank you so much, everyone. Um, the more I listen to your answers, the more I feel proud of having three of you as our representation at the Y20 Summit in Italy. Uh, keep doing the great work and hopefully this episode can be regarded as a way to share the results of the summit to many young listeners out there and hopefully they will find out the way to follow you to follow your great uh, and um, you know uh, contributions to the country to the g20 member states and basically to the world thank you so much everybody thank you so much noto Thank you. Thanks for having us, Noto. Thank you for having us. Goodbye and hope hope you're still safe and healthy. Goodbye. Stay safe and sane, everyone. Bye.